So we're back here with uh, Chewy from Idaho, and he claims it's the Magic Canyon, but I don't hear anything very magical about it. It sounds like black magic to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chewy, for uh, for um, all of the people who may have missed last week's episode, um, they need to go back and check it out. But you are a pastor there in Twin Falls, correct? Yes. Okay. So I, I so let's get into some of the stuff that you were alluding to us about that has happened um, during uh, during your time as a pastor there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm a pastor. I've been doing this for maybe about 11, 12 years or so. And, you know, me being here in Southern Idaho in the Magic Valley, there's, you know, there's a lot of, they call it Magic Valley for a reason. There's a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of satanic worship. There's a lot of weird things that happen in this area. And, you know, and last week we talked about the cryptid stuff and, and these, you know, these creatures. So I'm going to go ahead and start with the meshing, the mixing of these cryptids with kind of an evil demonic side to them. Okay. And some weird stuff, you know, really weird stuff. The first one I want to talk about is the talking, walking dog. You know, last week we talked about the dog man and, mm -hmm. you know, Whitfoot and all that. But one of the weird encounters that I got that just makes, it's just like, it's out there, but I mean, this is what he says. And it's my, my aunt's ex-boyfriend told me this story. And when he told me, I kind of, I was like, it was out there, right? But he says that he was walking in the desert. He was walking in somewhere in the wilderness, and he saw a walking black dog. And it was walking. He said it talked to him in Spanish. He said it, it tried to converse with him in Spanish. And he says that he urinated himself, and he, he was frozen. He couldn't talk back, and he, and he says he just looked at it, and it talked to him, and it said he, it walked away. And it looked, he said, when it looked around, it looked like it smiled almost at him. But he says it was a wolf. It looked like a wolf that was walking on two legs. And it was talking Spanish to him. So I was like, whoa, we, you know, that's my my crazy uncle. You know, we always got a crazy uncle that has crazy stories. So that's is, this the same is this the same crazy uncle that was in Michigan smoking? No, this, this <laughs> is a different uncle. <laughs> that's my other crazy uncle. Oh, my God. Well, the funny thing, of, I shouldn't say it's funny. But, you know, every time, and Jason, every time we've heard somebody coming across like like a, a dog man where it just like passed them, you know, mm -hmm. does, don't they always say that it kind of looked like it smiled at them? Like, yeah, it's like what they, if they like can it, catch a glance of the face, you always they always make some reference that they can tell there's some type of intelligence behind there. And it's always like grinning, like yeah, hey, hey. you know, yeah. like not, not just because it has a snout, uh, you know, like a like a dog panning, but no, it actually looks like there is a facial expression there. Yeah, that's talked about. Yeah, that's so uh, creepy. Yeah, when he told me this, I was like really, really, really creeped out. And so the, the reason I'm saying this because there is, you know, me being a pastor, we we know about the Nephilim, we know about. You know, the sons of God, as the Bible says, coming down these these some kind of angelic beings and and mating and breeding, you know, having children with, with humans and making these, you know, hybrid 
you know, people. And then also the chimera is the belief that these same fallen angels bred with animals and made these crazy creatures and you know like so they're oh, really? I, i've never no i've never heard that oh yeah yeah I, they do talk about that's even in the bible talking about the chimera in the old testament okay i hey maybe i missed that part in church so that's one of the that's one of the things they talk about then is that they bred with with animals and made Okay. Different yeah, combinations. Like the, yeah. Yeah, hybrids and all that stuff. So so a lot of you know, you have different views. A lot of there's the view of the cryptids are just you know, like like a Bigfoot and a dogman is some kind of, you know, missing link or some new type or a really different type of a, a wolf that just walks on two legs and has hands, kind of like a weird and then you have the other side is like, no, there's some kind of demonic um attributes to them like there's some kind of abomination kind of a thing and so when him telling me about that walking dog it was like okay that kind of gives some some proof to that view you know that kind of i don't know if i ne- i don't know if i necessarily agree with it 100 percent, but i do know that in the bible that these demons jesus casts out these demons and he asked to go into pigs and they're like don't throw us into hell send us into these animals and Jesus cast them into the swine. So I do know that animals can be possessed by demons just like people, just like people can. And so there's there's a story here in, you know, in, I live in Southern Idaho, Magic Valley. There's an area called um, Sun Valley that is north of Twin Falls, which is beautiful. It's, it's one of the best ski resorts. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's world famous. We have a lot of, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger has a house up there, Bruce Willis. There's a lot of people that come from all over to to ski this area. So I have a, I know a good friend of mine, he has a friend who takes photographs for a living up there in Sun Valley area. And he sells them, you know, to the Discovery, National Geographic, just even local stuff. And so he, this is bringing in the weird demonic stuff or just weird stuff that happens with these creatures so he says that he's up there and he gets geared up he puts his scent blocker on he gets camoed out and he has this huge camera with a huge lens that he goes and he gets the i mean just the most amazing shots of elk and bears and just amazing stuff so he says he's out there and he finds the um some elk bull elks and he's and he's perched up on his area and he says he's so far away that they can't see him there's no way they could see him or smell him and so he's taking these photos getting these cool shots and he says all of a sudden these giant wolves come rushing out of the tree line and they're so big he's blowing them away and he says that they had hands that they would grab the elk and rip off the leg and throw the leg and, and they weren't dispatching them right away like killing them they were just immobilizing them and but they he said they had they with their hands he said paws or whatever they are he goes but they're grabbing their legs and ripping the legs off and he and he's blown away and he can't believe what's going on and so he's and he's again he's like uh, not a person of faith or doesn't believe in paranormal doesn't believe really in, in anything supernatural or anything like that so you know, it's, that's his own thing. But he says that he was, as he's in shock, he tries to take pictures of these things. And he says, as he's taking a picture, 
every time he shoots a picture, it comes out really blurry and you can't see it or the camera will take a shot of a tree next to it. Like it won't, for some reason, every time he focuses and tries to take a shot, his camera malfunctions. And so he's looking at him and he says he's so far away that one of these things sticks his nose in the air and starts sniffing. And he says it look it looks right in his direction, and he's so far. And he says when it looks at him, he goes, it felt like it was looking right at me. And he says they all started rushing towards his area, and he and he hightails it out of there. He even leaves some of his equipment. That's his livelihood. He leaves his his equipment, and he takes off running, and he's booking it, and he gets to a vehicle. He gets in his vehicle, and he says as soon as he turns the ignition on and goes to drive, he could hear the crashing in the trees. He could hear like, some, like he says it sounds like bulldozers were coming down. And so that was that story for me. And that's just about an hour, well, probably about 45 minutes from where I live. And, and he doesn't, he doesn't believe, he, he said he thought it was some kind of um, dire wolf that, that, that was just an undiscovered, some kind that had raccoon hands, so to speak. But oh, that, that okay. Yeah, we, when you have to that crazy explanations, how, who's the crazy one, right? That's even crazier to, to say it's a dire wolf with raccoon hands. That's even crazier <laughs> than just saying uh, I it's like a dog man or a werewolf. That that that's even okay. <laughs> yeah, I, but I mean, what would you think? And and the other thing is, is that guy, if you're, you know, if he's the photographer that you're saying he is, and he's selling pictures all over, you know, as a profession to uh, some of the, you know, Discovery Network and stuff like that. I mean, he's he's not going to just miss take a couple pictures. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. it's a, it'd be almost impossible to take a blurry picture with that, wouldn't it? <laughs> that sort of equipment. Yeah, there's, I mean, that's the part where the paranormal or weird, you know, how do you explain that? That his his camera, I mean, his state-of-the-art camera was malfunctioning. And so that's one of those weird stories where it starts, to, things start to take that turn of the paranormal or the, the dark side, so to speak. And another one I got from my area is from Stanley, Idaho, which is um, where Redfish Lake is at. And, you know, there's a Salmon River, Redfish Lake, just a beautiful area, endless, endless mountains and, you know, pine trees, beautiful. But there was, I have a report from a, um, a son and a father who were camping out there. And as they were camping, the... At nighttime, they saw a wolf, like a it looked like a timber wolf, so it was like they described a regular wolf, and it was walking and it walked outside their camp, with their camping area, and when it was walking, they said they're like, oh man, look a wolf, and they're like in awe of it, and it, and it went away, and then they say they saw a native guy behind walking not too far behind, a Native American walking, and they said he looked like he was from back in the day. Like he wasn't a modern, like it was, he had all of his gear on as if he was from 300 years ago or so, you know? And so they're like, well, maybe that wolf is his pet. We're like, man, he, he, you know, he got this wolf and he's raised it as his own. And they're like, that's kind of cool. And so they, they go to sleep and they have their, they, something is outside. Like they're, I don't remember what it was. Some kind of food was outside. And first the kid wakes up because he hears something going through their stuff. And then he wakes his dad up 
and they both look out and they see the wolf outside digging through their stuff. But the wolf, they said it's on its knees this time and it's bent over and it's holding something like in its hands and it's trying to sniff and eat whatever it has. And, and they, and they're like, what the heck? This thing has got hands. And they, when they, when they made some kind of commotion and the thing got up and it ran off on all fours and it went into the bush. And they said, as soon as it went into the bush, maybe a few seconds passed by, the Native American comes running out um, naked with only um, skins, animal skins on his back. And he takes off running. And so they're, they're blown away. And so they believe it was some kind of skinwalker kind of a thing that, that they saw because it was the wolf and they see the native. And then it, the next time they see it has hands and then it runs off. And this native guy comes running out with uh, animal skins on his body. So that was really weird. That takes the whole <laughs> Isn't that weird to go? It starts, so it's starting to get weirder and re- weirder. And then, and, and so I've come to the conclusion that, man, some, some of these things have to have some, I mean, maybe there's some types of them or, I mean, cause I'm a pastor and I know that there are the Nephilim where, you know, there's weird, you know, things out there that we just don't know about. And either these are from it or, you know, maybe there's regular, you know, Sasquatch and some kind of dogman cre- creature. And then you have the other stuff that's really weird like that. Yeah. And, wow. So that's, that's that story. And now going into more, it's going to get weirder and weirder, but Hey guys, this like, I tell, I tell my friends like, dude, I don't have time to make this stuff up. Like I, I'm busy, man. I try to be real. I be, I'm honest. I have a lot going on in my community. Like, but this is like, once I had that dog man encounter, it, it did something to me and, and it just opened up the floodgates and I started researching and talking to people and, and just making friends and and so as i was saying how things tied in how things that happened to me as a kid and my stuff that happened to my family how now i know like man those things really happened it was real um the story i'm about to share with you is is something that's not made up you know it's something that i saw partial most of it with my own eyes and my family to this day still tells the story and so as a kid, as I was seeing at my grandpa's house in Hayes County, Texas, there's woods right behind his house. And it's the same house where this baboon creature came to our porch. Well, my grandpa was having his chickens, being, his chickens would come on missing. And so, he, you know, one day there'd be one there or it'd be gone. And then another couple of days, there'd be only parts of one left. And so something was taking, eating our chickens. And so he grabbed what was left over of one of these chickens, tied it on the fence with chicken wire, and he left it on the fence. And he he had he got a shotgun and he hit and he was and he was adamant. He was like, I'm gonna find whatever's taking these chickens and I'm gonna kill it and I'm gonna shoot it. And so I was a little kid then it was like, okay, let's see what happens. And the night goes by, my grandpa's out there all night, nothing happens. And on the second night, we're sleeping and about two in the morning or so, we just hear the shotgun blast, boom, boom, two big booms. And we knew it was my grandpa out there with the shotgun. And so we run out there and we turn the lights on and my grandpa's, he's, he's still pointing the gun at the fence. And on this chicken, 
is the biggest owl I've ever seen in my life. And it still had his talons in his chicken, but it was it was laid over hanging, like it wouldn't let go of its grip and it was dead. My grandpa shot and killed it. And we were like, wow, it was an owl taking the chickens and this and that. And my grandpa's my grandpa was still pointing the shotgun at it. And I'm like, it's dead. You know, I'm looking at him like you you shot it twice with the shotgun. And he's like, go back inside. You guys don't come out anymore. And so we're like, okay, you know, we go inside, don't think anything of it. We go to sleep. Um, I go to school the next day. And when I get back from school, there, we never had a fire pit in this area. But when I got home, there was the remnants of a fire, like a big fire. And I told my aunt, I'm like, what, what happened? And she tells, and this is my aunt that told me this. And she says that the owl was a lechuza. It wasn't a regular owl, it was a lechuza. In the Hispanic culture, a lechuza is a witch that can take form of an owl. And it can transform, and sometimes it can, it can, it can, um, like mesh its transformation to where it looks human-like, but still the shape of an owl. But it was a massive owl, so she said that it was a lechuza. And what they did was my grandpa called the people, the elders in our in that little town that lived that lived down the street, and they all came and they took this lechuza. They knew it was one of them, and they they lit this fire and they got it roaring. And she says, they threw it in the fire. And when it was in the fire, it started to flap. It started to like flap its wings. And then it started to scream really loud. And when all the, the feathers started to burn off of it, it looked like a shriveled up little old woman, they said. And they burnt it and they burnt it and they kept adding wood. They lit candles around it, did prayers, and they burnt it to it. Not even the bones were left. And that's what she told me. And the people in the neighborhood, the the elder other elders that were older like my grandfather, they brought him goats, they brought him chickens, they brought him eggs, they brought him so they brought him so many gifts for killing this lechuza. And over there, and it's it's basically all the Hispanic culture, lechuza is a real thing. Like it's a it's a witch that takes form of an owl. And and it's I guess this lechuza was going around like they, they knew there was dark witchcraft going on in that area. And this lechuza was harassing people and it would stare at them at night through the windows and it would do it take livestock and stuff. And so finally, my grandpa, he shot it and killed it. And, and that's a story that my family still tells to this day that that our grandpa is famous in the area for killing one of these lechuzas. And it's a, like I said, it's a witch that transformed into an owl. And my my wife is, you know, she's a Christian woman, doesn't mess around with any paranormal or like she doesn't do, want to do any of that stuff. She knows it's real, but she doesn't mess with it. Um, she told me as a kid, because I shared that story with her, and she's like, no way. She was like, I got to tell you what happened to us as a, when I was a kid. And she says when she was driving through Aberdeen here in Idaho, it's just a farming community that they're driving and it was the sun was starting to set and her and her mom looked and there was in the field that looked like a person and it was a person standing there and as they drove they saw it was a massive owl and they said it but it was the size of a person and it was watching them and they said she said that she was basically traumatized from it because it you know how owls turn their heads all the way it stayed in its position and it followed them with its head it turned its head all the way around and it was just a massive owl, looked like the size of a person in this field. And they got home, and they their family they prayed, and they 
you know, she because she was scared. And that night they found out that um, her uncle was murdered that night. Somebody murdered one of her uh, her uncles through marriage, so to speak. And so they took it as an omen. And so, and that's part of the Hispanic culture is these lechuzas are omen. When you see them, it means something bad is going to happen or you're marked in some way or something dark like that. And so they, it was a confirmation for them when this thing showed itself to them that their uncle, they lost a family member that night. So whenever she sees owls to this day, she prays. When they, they zip over the car at night and we're driving at night, she, she prays. I mean, there was one across our house the other night on a tree, an owl, and it was just screaming and screaming. And it was just the regular owl, you know, from, I mean, who knows? It was just a regular um, barn owl, but she was like, get it out of there, please. She was like, you gotta go shoot it, do something. And I'm like, so I just turn on the light and and I, and I look at it and it's looking at us screaming and stuff. And so I just yell back at it really loud and I like, like act like I'm running towards it and it flew off and it, into the night. But to this day, she does not like messing around with owls. It's an omen and it's in our culture. Um, it's called the lechuza and it's uh, famous through all Mexico and um, all Hispanic culture. Do you know, do you know how... You're telling that that story about the the omen and stuff and the uh, that that almost skirts Mothman. You know what I'm saying? Uh, When people describe what they saw, you know, as Mothman and as a bad omen that led to the bridge collapse there in Point Pleasant. I mean, how crazy is that? Like. You know, to me, that's to me, that's almost too, too similar. Too much of a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Too much of a coincidence. And like I said, like how many, how many out there explanations that we try to come up with to before you become the crazy one? You know, it's like, how far do you got to come up with these crazy explanations to try to explain what you saw or what happened? Before you're the one that's like, okay, dude, you're pushing it. Like you're, you're crazy. Yeah, just, just, just say what you saw and, yeah. and, and let that be, let that speak for itself, you know, <laughs> you know, because sometimes, yeah, trying to, but we hear that all the time is you try <laughs> to put it, put the experience in the boxes that you know to, to kind of make yourself either feel less crazy or, um, and, and the judge so famously said this after his experience, after his dog was, well, if that's out there, what else is out there? And because, you know, like when you start experiencing these things, then, um, you know, whether it's spiritual, whether it's uh, cryptid, no matter what it is, you then, you know, you're not a you're not a belief, you know, you're not a uh, enthusiast or you're not a researcher. You're just a believer. And then and then, you know, anything's possible. You know, where does it where does it end? You know, <laughs> or does yeah. it? <laughs> does yeah, it? where does it end? So going down here in our canyon, we, we call it the Magic Valley. Um, oh, wait, you know what? Before that, you know, the table picture I sent you guys, I said we saw that when we were camping. That yeah. area where we're camping is 
it's a beautiful area. It's called Lake Cleveland, and it's on Magic Mountain. It's literally right on the top of this mountain. And it's this mountain, it has like a, the peak is gone, and there's a beautiful lake in there surrounded by pine trees and beautiful. So we always go camping down in that area. And that same area where we saw the claw marks and that table, that heavy-duty steel table was bent to heck. Well, when we went up there camp, we go there every year. We're, we're up there camping one night, and this is like, I mean, it has to be four or 5,000 feet elevation. Like, it's, it's way up there. And so we're way up on top of this mountain camping, and in this little area, this camping area, you can – you drive and there's you can see little campsites where there's you know a fire pit and a flat surface for a tent you drive a little more there's another one here there so we pick one and it's just more secluded one that's more in the trees we like that and there was nobody out there with us it was like literally i like i said there's only 1.7 million people in the whole state and this is a big state so you go camping and there's like nobody out there so we're camping out there and at nighttime comes around and we see this fire start next like um, a few campsites down from us in the fire pit or somewhere we see a fire come up. And I tell my wife, I'm like, what? I'm like, I didn't see anybody drive up. She goes, no, nobody drived up. I'm like, well, look at, they're out there. She goes, they must have hiked up here. I go, dang, we're thousands of feet up here. I'm like, that's weird. So I just was like, oh, whatever. I didn't think too much of it. And then we, we go and we lay down and as we're getting ready to go to sleep, I hear a goat. I hear a distinct sound of a goat, man. And I tell my wife, I'm like, did you hear that? She goes, yeah, it was a deer. Well, no, no, that was not a deer, that was a goat. And we're going back and forth and she's like, oh, I'm pretty sure it was a deer. And I'm thinking, I'm like, no, that was a goat, that was weird. So we go to sleep and we, in the morning we, we get up and after we eat our breakfast, I go walking down there to that area, I kid you not, there was a huge pentagram out there with all these bones uh, and there was like dried blood and stuff everywhere. Like somebody was doing a saint, a sacrifice. And with a goat. They had a goat. Yeah, they had a goat. And I go back to my wife. I'm like, babe, you got to see this. And she looks. I'm like, it was a goat we heard. I'm like, I know they use goats as a symbolic of, of Satanism. There's, there's a tie in between there, you know, and she was blown away at that. And so it was just weird that they would do that way up in those mountains, bro, way up in those mountains. And they didn't even drive. So on my mind is like, these are some dedicated people. Or do they live there hiding or like, cause it's going to take you forever to climb up there and do this, you know, and then to leave before Dave comes, you know, it was so weird, but that's the kind of things that happen in the Magic Valley. A lot of, a lot of satanic and witchcraft stuff that happens, and down here in our canyon, as we would, you know, go on family bike rides and all that. Um, my friend and I, who we had this dogman encounter with down there, as we were down there on one of these times, I think it was right after when we were measuring. Um, how tall it was and all that stuff. You know, we said about, you know, eight foot tall and four to 500 pounds and whatnot. We go walking into the into the trees, right? If we're a little safer, it's the daytime. But deep in the bush, man, deep in the trees, we find baby stroller, okay? We find little kids' shoes thrown around deep in the bush. And we're like, what the heck is this? And... And, and we were like blown away by it. And I, I tell this story of what we found to one of my youth leaders because um, being one of the pastors 
I have youth leaders that, that lead the youth ministry for us or with us. And I'm telling them about the story. And this guy, he, um, he left California when he was maybe about 10 years old and moved to Idaho, but he lived in the Mojave desert. And he tells me, he goes, and I remember picking up one of these shoes, multiple shoes. And, and out of the weirdest thing, he tells me, he goes, were they left or right shoes? I told him, I told him they were left shoes. The left, left, he goes, he goes, that's some kind of, um, that's some dark stuff going down, going on down there. I'm like, what do you mean the shoes? He says that when his family was involved in the cult, that there were, there was some dark stuff going of sacrifices and they would hurt kids, little children out there. He says they collected the left shoes for some reason and they would keep them in piles and they would keep them in certain locations. And I don't know, I don't know what to think about it, but he says it was something to do with the cult left shoes of these children. They either abducted or whatever happened. And so he told me that and I'm like, that's so weird. We found those left shoes of those little kids out there in a baby stroller. And so we, we, we started freaking out about that. And then we've, we've known for years, the police have caught people doing um, worship like a, uh, seances down there in the canyon around halloween time and so there's a lot of weird stuff that happens down there so we know it's 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 happening and we know like it's it's real stuff that goes on and me being a pastor some of the things that i do um i do you know we go and to somebody will call the church and say hey you know what i think my house is haunted or you know there's some some spirit some uh evil spirits in my house and we need help and and so we'll go we'll get geared up with our bibles and take them holy anointing oil and we'll go ready to cast these demons out of the houses or out of people or whatever it may be and so our church we used to be on main street and we moved to a different building but when it was on main street um there's where the area where there's um like kind of uh, just a lot of weird stuff happens in that area. But I remember one day in church service, we're having service, and this guy walks into the service, and he looks like he's you know a homeless guy, really shaggy everywhere, has an old military jacket on. And out of all these people, when he walks in, out of all these people, like I'm seeing him through the crowds of heads of people, right? He locks eyes with me. And we lock eyes to each other out of all these people. Remember, I said it's a big church. There's you know, a couple thousand people in this church. So seeing him and we lock eyes, it was the weirdest thing. And we fought and I, and I could see him walking towards where the preacher was, about the pastor that was teaching. And and he was started yelling. He started yelling, mocking stuff like, you know, amen, and just mocking whatever the pastor was saying. And he started getting attention on him. And I was looking at him, and right away when he looked at me, I was like, this dude's got a demon inside of him, like something weird's happening. And he takes off running full force to the pastor, ready just to attack the pastor. And our ushers that are that are there catch wind of him, and, and they try to tackle this guy. And this is a – he's probably about – he's an older guy. Maybe he was probably maybe 150 pounds, just a small guy. And they try to grab this guy. There's about eight – of the ushers try to grab him and they can't wrestle him down. They're trying to wrestle him down and he's fighting them off, shoving them. And these guys are like rolling off of him, the big guys. And he's a little guy. And I'm like, what the heck? And they would tackle him and he'd wiggle out like a fish. He'd just kind of wiggle out and we couldn't get him. 
and and finally people are getting freaked out the pastor stops preaching like everybody's trying to grab him we get him in this corner and he literally bro he he gets on his hands and his and his feet and he puts up his hands like the claws and he starts growling and slashing at us like he's got claws and he's like speaking a weird language and he's slashing at us and this is where it gets really crazy and this is i'm telling you this is what happened man this is what we saw he was he got on all fours and ran like an animal and he was jumping over the chairs jumping over the pews like he'd done it for years like it, like like an animal and he and every and then when he when we saw him make that first jump the women and kids started screaming and, and people were freaking out because he was like an animal and, and finally we overpowered him and we got him and he was foaming out of his mouth and he was say, speaking in a weird language and cussing at us. And we started to pray. We got the Bible, we put it on his forehead and we started to pray and he passed out. He just passed out. He went limp and we picked him up and he was, and, and I remember like one guy picked him up. He wasn't even heavy. And we took him down and we took him out of the sanctuary where people were freaking out and, and we got him away from everybody and we took him downstairs and we laid him in a cot by our kitchen area. We have a room that we, you know, do events and stuff. And so the ushers are there and they're like telling me, well, what do we do with them? I'm like, just leave him there, let him sleep. I'm like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to make him something to eat. And I go in the kitchen and I make a sandwich for him and he's still sleeping. And, uh, and they're like, well, we're going to just stay right here in case he wakes up. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. So they stayed in the hallway waiting to, to you know, to take him down again if they had to. And I told them, you know, in our church, um, everybody, this is like everybody packs guns, right? Everybody, the question is, should you take them to church? So everybody's got guns. And I told them, like, you know, if something happens, let's, you know, don't, don't shoot them. Let's try and just wrestle them down again. You know, let's not take it if we don't have to. And so, because we knew that there's something spiritual was going on, there was something demonic. So I make him a sandwich, and he wakes up, and then my ushers are on guard. My ushers get around him, and he look. He's looking at me, and he goes, "What the heck happened?" Because what happened? And I told him, "I'm like, hey, you had a demon inside of you, and and we cast it out of you." And he says, "He goes, I don't remember even coming in here." He goes, "I remember bits and pieces of you of people chasing me." He goes, I just thought you guys were trying to hurt me. And he goes, I was shot in Vietnam. I have had bombs blow up next to me. And he goes, that doesn't even come close to what just happened here. And and we got to talk to him. And he was a homeless guy that was traveling. We fed him. We we prayed with him again. We told, you know, we gave him a Bible. We asked if we could help him, you know, give him a place to to connect with our homeless shelter here and whatnot. And he was like, no, I don't mind needing help from you guys. He goes, I just need to leave. And he walked out the doors and we never saw him again. <laughs> and that was one of the things that was, <laughs> was pretty intense. <laughs> so did he have any idea of what, like where this started from? Or like, was there an event that, did anything strange happen or? He didn't want what? to share about it. Yeah. He didn't want to talk about it. We told him that he had a demon. And he, he, I think he even chuckled, he even chuckled at us, like he wasn't buying it. And, and he walked out those doors and we never saw him again. We don't know where he was from or any of his background or anything. Wow. Well, and the, the, the real interesting thing is, is you saying that, um, that he, that he acted like an animal. 
you know, and then you think back of all these cryptid things that take the form or, or act like animals. And then to tie that in with the, the demonic part of it, it kind of makes, it kind of makes a little bit of sense, you know, that maybe, um, maybe they are, maybe they are humans in, in, in form, but just possessed to the point where they, uh, come, come across to us as something cryptid, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I totally get that. And the way that this person, um, because in the Bible it talks about when people were possessed, there's a story of a guy um, who was possessed and lived in the graveyard. He lived at, or at the cemetery, and he he uh, he had chains and shackles on him, and he broke free from them, and, and he, he lived there, and he would attack people. And so um, people tried to pray for him and cast the demons out, and they would, he would beat them up until Jesus came, and Jesus um, cast the demon out of them. But it says that he was so strong. It was a... Uh, he was a regular guy that he was so strong that all those men couldn't hold him down. And he was even able to break the shackles from his hands and his feet. So we know that these demons can alter your body or they do something to where they can give you superhuman strength. And the way that this guy could contort his body like an animal, that's when that's when the women and the kids started screaming. I, I, I probably even screamed in there once I saw him do that. To see this guy run like an animal and jump on all like just like a just like an animal man it was the craziest thing and the way that he these five to eight grown men could not wrestle this little 150 pound guy they could not get him down man that's how strong he was and so that just shows you like man like they these demons give you superhuman strength there's even stories that i got from there of people who've been possessed and have done you know, um, deliverances and exorcisms and all that, the, with the ability to see in the dark. When the demons are in them, they're able to see in the dark, like, like, like an animal, like some kind of creature. Like, they're, like only when the demon acts up their vision, they, have, they can see in the dark, and it was confirmed through multiple people. Like, there's no way, in, in no way physically this is possible. Like, there has to be demonic. How can this person see in the dark? There's stories of people knowing different languages, fluent in Latin, and and never studied it in their lives, you know, and knowing bits and pieces about your life. Because when you know when we've when we go to to cast demons out and stuff, they they know about you and they want to they try to they mock you, they want to get a rise out of you, they want to see you either walk out and give up or attack them. They want to get something out of you and they try to, so they tell you stuff about. Your, your personal life that you've never told anybody, that you've never told a soul, and they'll bring it up and they'll tell you about it. And they'll, they'll, they'll see in the dark, they'll, weird stuff, they'll know your name before you introduce yourself to them. Like a lot of weird stuff that, that goes on with that. And with the whole creature thing, how they could mat, how with a chimera, and there's, I have a goat man story um, here that's, again, guys, like I'm in the epic center of this house. I'm going to tell you what, where this happened is probably about, I mean, it's got to be half a mile from my house. And so the young lady, she's one of, she's been in my youth group since she was um, in the sixth grade and now she's 21. So she's gone through all the years of our youth group and now she's one of our youth leaders and her and her little sister is in, um, is in the eighth grader. So she still comes, she jo- attends the youth group. And I know their mom, their mom 
has been goes back and forth with witchcraft. But her mom comes to our church. The mom is like a believer in Jesus, but her temptation when life gets hard and she gets stressed out, she doesn't go to drugs, to alcohol. She goes back to witchcraft, and then she would stop it and she'd come back and give her, you know, go back to church and attend faithfully and leave all that stuff and then she'd go back to it like that's her vice going back and forth and they told me that her my youth leader's um dad is in prison and they believe that the mom put a hex on him put a curse on him because i believe he cheated on her and so when she they found his picture with his hair and weird stuff and they accused her like you did something to him and she denied it but he went to prison um, lost his house, went bankrupt, so got really, really sick, almost died. So they believe the mom put the curse on him. So we know the background with this house. And so, and I know the grandma attends the church too. And so the grandma calls me and she says, hey, we need you to come and pray for this house that so-and-so lived in, the husband, um, that he lived he lived in it. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go and I'll pray. And so I go to this house and all the windows are boarded up. The windows have wood on them, you know, and even the door where, because it had a nice, it had like a glass where you can see through and that was boarded up. And so they began to tell me um, that the two girls were at home and the older one and the daughter, the younger one, and they even have a brother and the brother was gone that night. And the mom who does the witchcraft and all that, and that she was working on a night shift. And so they were in the room sleeping and they heard the front door open and slam. And they heard these, um, these uh, footsteps like hooves or hooves. And it was like a giant goat or a horse was stomping in the, in their house and making its way down to her room. And she said that when she, when she knew she could see its shadow underneath the door and it, and it turned the doorknob. And it, she says it wasn't locked. The door wasn't locked. It turned the doorknob and it said her name and it was the voice of her mom. And it says, this is so-and-so, let me in. And then she's like, mom's at work. This is, this is not mom. And the door started and it wasn't locked. It just wouldn't come in unless it gave her the permission to go into her room or whatever. And it started shaking violently, the doorknob, and it started pounding on the door and the voice changed to a demonic deep voice and it was screaming her name, let me in. And it was banging on the door and she was crying. She started praying. She had her Bible, she grabbed her Bible and she started reading the scriptures out loud. And she said, then it went to the next room to where her little sister was at and it's pounding the, the wooden floors, boom, boom, boom. And it goes to the sister's door and I'm talking to both the girls now. They're telling me the story, and the little one says she she's crying and she's telling me the story. She goes, "It came, it did. It came to my room, and and it was my mom's voice, and it's telling me to open the door. And and when I didn't open the door, the voice changed into a deep, loud voice, and it began to pull on the door and pound it and twist the doorknob. And she's crying too, and they're they're both crying at the same time. And the older sister's terrified." What's going to happen to her little sister? And and she was, still feels bad about this to this day. She goes, I just, I couldn't go out there and help you. She goes, I couldn't. She goes, I was frozen to my bed. And and so when this thing wouldn't go in her room, it, it pounds its way, boom, boom, to, the, to their brother's room. And the brother's gone that night. And they said it, 
it smashes the door open. They even have the door. They, the door was messed up, too. It smashes the door open, and they could hear it go in its room, and it's thrown over the mattress, knocks down the dresser, and it breaks the windows to his room out. And they could hear it walk out of his room, boom, 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 and it goes to the bathroom, breaks the mirror, goes into the kitchen, breaks the mirror to the stove, that little window to the stove, goes in the house and starts breaking the wicker, all the glass shattering, and then it pounds its way out and slams the door again. And they and they wait a while and they call the police. The police come, they do, you know, like because it was like a they counted it like as a as a break-in. And so that's the story they told me, and, and they're like, and they're crying, and the grandma's confirming it. The kids are terrified. And this girl, I've known her since she was, she's, she's one of my youth leaders. You know, she's very honest, loves her relationship with God, and knows that her mom has that thing going on with the dark side of stuff. And, and so we, I go, and I was like, now I knew why those windows were all boarded up. And that's the, they believe it was a goat man. They said it was they just, they had the vision. They couldn't see it. They could hear it. They saw it shadow, but their mind kept seeing a goat creature that was like a man. And and that's our that's the goat man story that I talked to you guys. And again, that's like not even far from my house either. Hey, uh, hey Jason. Yeah. Did you, see the, did you see the clown mask up above his head move while he was telling that story? <laughs> oh, man. I'm in, I'm in. This is the man cave. My kids come in, and they know. It's like I got all my stuff in here. I, I do like you're, you're, you're telling that story, and I know everybody can't see it, but we could see it on, on Skype, and he's got like a – this dog man head, like a werewolf head, and this the clown from it or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, if that thing moves, I'm hanging up. That's all. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all these crazy things that happen, man, and to hear these stories, and and when you hear them from somebody that you trust, somebody that you've known for years. And it's just, and you know that the mom already messes with that stuff. I mean, it's it's just it just hits you different levels. So yeah, we prayed for the house, and it's been um, the bank took it because like once the hex went on, the the whole anything to do with that man, his house, his finances, health, everything just went down the drain, and they don't so, live at the house anymore. So uh, so now, maybe I missed it. Where where's the mom at? Where's the lady who put the hex on? The mom, she she was at work that night. But she no, no, no. Didn't... I'm saying, I'm saying though, like, is she somebody that you like can go to and say, hey, look, we know what you did. You know, is there a way to reverse this? Can you, you know, like, did she feel bad that her kids were subjected to, to this sort of thing? Or we denied it all. We we you know we me and um, her mom, her which is the girl's his grandma. We went and we talked to her about it, you know, kind of, so to speak, confront her about it. She denied every part of it. That she said she left all that stuff, that she didn't hex him, that it was his own choices he made, and those are the consequences of all the choices that he was doing, and and um, that she believed something was going on with the kids. She was like, I believe she was, but I, I had nothing to do with it, and, you know, so she denied it to, to the fullest. Wow, that would be, that'd be some heavy stuff to know how terrified your kids were that something showed up looking for them and that you may have had something to do with it to just deny it. 
No, I mean, and I mean, I guess I don't want to blame her because I don't know her, but you obviously know the situation and it's pretty certain that you seem to believe that she almost certainly had a hand in uh, summoning whatever came to the house. Yeah. 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 It's like mind boggling. And I see her from time to time. She'll see her at church. She comes to church, you know, and, and it's like, when I see her, I know and her kids still come to our youth group. The daughter's still one of my leaders to this day. And, you know, and it's just, it's pretty intense. And when you know, like the stuff that's going on behind closed doors, you know, Holy smokes. Yeah. Yes. And, and now do you, um, like you said, you've been doing this for 10, 11 years. Have you started to be able to like, uh, like the demon or the evil part? Like, do you, or have you started to develop, uh, the ability to, see what's going on with people like that or um yeah that's funny that you would say that so another story that i have is one um a friend of our family messages uh, messaged me on um messenger and she's like hey i need some weird stuff happening in my house you know something's wrong with my youngest daughter or with one of my daughters and you know we we hear knocking and scratching and growling and and my daughter is just not herself. And can you come and, and pray for us? And I'm like, yeah, I'll be right there. And so we never go alone when we do these things. You always go in at least two, you know, somebody with you. So me, my wife, and my wife's grandmother, who her, my wife's grandmother, you know, my wife's family are evangelists, pastors, traveled the world doing gospel music. I mean, so my grandma knows what's up, right? So us three went, we go to this house. And I don't know which daughter it is because there's like seven kids, right? And so I walk in this house. Well, I knock on the door and we walk in this house and the mom meets me. She's like, thank you so much for coming. I'm like, yeah, I have my Bible anointing oil ready to go. And I don't know what kid is being harassed or anything. Out of all these kids, they're sitting at the table eating. One of these little girls that's probably six years old, she turns around and she looks at me and she gives me the most hateful look that any little six-year-old girl could make. Out of all the kids, and I knew right there, I'm like, that's the one. And then sure enough, as we started talking, that's the one who's been been different and things have been happening to her. And and so we begin to talk, and I ask them what's going on, and they say that the girl has, has um, imaginary friends and been talking to this imaginary friend, but at the same time, they know that uh, she's been really mean. She's started growling and hissing and attacking her little brothers and her brothers and sisters and, and saying really foul stuff that she shouldn't be saying. And so they think something's her, like there's some kind of demonic um, influence going on. And, you know, she, I would I know she wasn't possessed, but she was definitely oppressed. You see, there's the, the you know, you can be oppressed, which they harass you. They make themselves known. They want to scare you. And then there's possession where they actually enter your body and they can control you and they can come and go as they want. There's So I, she wasn't possessed, but she was definitely oppressed. So what the demons would do, they're predatory. Just like these, like I was talking about this dogman creature, how it only chose to really harass my wife and my two daughters. They didn't want to mess with me. They didn't really make itself known to me or, or show itself to me and all that. 
only when I wasn't around and when it was just the girls and would go to the little girls' windows at night and tap. So I, I related that directly to evil, predatory. I think that's one of the darkest things you can do. And it is the darkest thing you can do in this world is hurt kids. And that directly relates to evil, which is predatory. So when this little girl was having this go on with her, I knew that it's not going to be what people think. Oh, maybe it's a ghost or whatever. No, it's, it's preying on her and it's a predator. And that's what they do, you know, with evil. That's what they do. And so what they'll do is they'll pose themselves as a little kid or a little girl. And they'll come to them in the form of a ghostly little girl or a little kid to gain their trust. And once they gain their trust, they can begin to manipulate them and they begin to oppress them, which ultimately will go into possession. So she wasn't, it was that oppression state. And and we, I got to talk to her, like, tell me about the friend you have. And she said, it's a little girl, a little girl with a white dress with a little white bow tie in her hair and talks to her and, and sometimes, you know, and, and so we knew, like, I knew it was a demon. Like, his thing is mimicking a little girl to, because it's a predator. So, so I started, like, okay, let's get down to business here. We get this little girl, and we start, I, you know, put anointing oil on my hands. We, we I start praying for her, put my hand on her, on the forehead. We start praying. And, you know, the other people are quoting scripture out loud and praying out loud as we're doing this. And she's getting a little uncomfortable. And then she's, you know, she's really hot. I can feel her, her temperature is getting really, really hot. And then finally, it just like, she like comes loose and she just kind of droops her shoulders. And then she looks up at me and she smiles. Like whatever was messing with her was gone. It, the attachment, the oppression was off of her. But the creature was still in the house. It was, I felt it. Like how you were saying, like, you see these things? I felt it. I knew, like, it was here still. And what I like to say is, like, my hands become like uh, metal detectors. You put a metal detector and it beeps when it comes across metal. I, I, we put this anointing oil and I just pray and I feel drawn to an uh, area or a person. And this area I was being drawn to was the basement. So right after we prayed with the little girl, we got together as a family and we were going to pray. And they have dogs and they go, hold up, let me go put the dogs, um, put them away. They have to go through the, the laundry room. There's a door there. And there's another door that goes out or in the basement. And so he took the dogs, put them in the basement. He shut the door. He shut the laundry door. Okay. And he came back and we we're going to pray. And as soon as I started to pray, all these dogs come rushing out from the basement. And they all start jumping on me, not being mean or anything, but they're just scared. And they're running everywhere. And he's like, is so-and-so here? And she's like, no, there's no it's just us. He's like, you guys heard me put those dogs back in the basement, right? I'm like, yeah. And he go, and and right away I knew. So we, he looked out there. The garage, the laundry room was shut, but the the um or sorry, it, it was cracked, and that's how the dogs came in. But that was open, but the basement door was open, and he shut it. He's like, I shut the door. You guys heard me. I'm like, yeah, we heard it. And so what they do is disruption. When you go to make them leave an area or to leave a person, they want to call, they want to disrupt it any way they can. Any way that they can make it to where they can stay, they want to do that. So I knew that already, that it's trying to cause confusion. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. So we go down to the, I go, we're going to the basement. So I go down to the basement and it's like, I mean, it's like the scariest movie you could imagine down there, right? It's like this dark, 
gloomy basement with, you know, old brick and, and dirt walls. And, and, and we're down there and we just start praying. I go, you guys just start praying here. It's in here. And I start praying and I, and I have my eyes closed and I have my hands out and I feel drawn to this corner and it's, that corner is dark. I go drawn to the corner and there's a hole under the ground. Like the wall is missing and there's this, this black hole that goes with dirt behind it, like it, like somebody was digging or something. And I was like, that's where I felt like it was right there. And so I started praying and I put my hand and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my hand inside this uh, dark hole. And I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, something better not grab me. I'm like, if it grabs me, it's on. Like, I'm going to freak out. So I, I put my hand in this dark hole praying because I, you have to... My, when when you, you have the Holy Spirit and you have like anointing oil on your hands or anything holy, holy water, when you go to touch one of these in the area, the vicinity of a demon, it's like hot, like somebody trying to touch you with a hot iron that's freshly out of the fire. You're going to move away from it. It's going to hurt you. You don't want to touch it. So I'm praying and I put my hand in there and I, and I, I got all those goosebumps and I know it's in there. And I put my hand in there and I feel it. I feel like like a gush of wind and it goes away from me and it goes into another room and I go and it's hiding again in the corner. So I start praying again. I go there and I go to put my hand in there and it goes again and it makes its way out. Like it goes out. The, they have a little window down there in the basement. And, and it's, for some reason, they don't have to use windows and doors, but there's something for some reason they use these entrances to, to people's homes. And, and and it left the same way and went out it went out that window and you could feel the lightness in the room you could feel the difference in that house and it was like okay this thing is gone I'm like man that was and 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 it was that was pretty intense but yeah like I, I was able to feel um I could feel it I could sense where this creature was at and it was it was pretty intense you know that and again since I'm a pastor now I've I've always known um, about this stuff, and I haven't really shared this story with many people, but my mom used to practice Wicca when I was a kid because I wasn't raised in church. My family didn't go to church. I ended up um, converting, um, like I said, when I was maybe 21 years old, and then I got into ministry uh, as I got older, but my family, we didn't grow up in church or any of that, and my mom used to practice Wicca, and I distinctly remember waking up at night and her with candles lit with a couple of her friends reading this book with this giant pentagram on it. And and I had such a fear of the dark as a kid. And I told I I know it, man. I would hear scratching. I could have swore I heard little growls and stuff. And I would run out to tell my mom as she was doing these seances or whatever. And she'd tell me, you're dreaming, go back to bed. I'm a little kid. And I, and so I had a I had a fear of the dark. Like you wouldn't believe. Now I know why. Like my mom was doing opening windows and doors that she really didn't know what she was doing and messing around with. And so my mom has battled um, depression and she would have mental breakdowns. And so oftentimes as a kid, she would go into these uh, facilities to, to help as she was going through her depression and she would be suicidal and she would have these nervous breakdowns. So she would go to these, you know, mental institutions to, and she'd come out and she'd be okay for a few years and it happened again. But when she would have these nervous breakdowns and these psychotic episodes, so to speak, she would return to where she was almost like a, a child, like a little girl, like she was back as a little girl. 
and she would say, he's coming. And I remember as a little kid, maybe 10 years old, when, when I saw her first episode, she was crying, saying that the, that the hat man is coming for me. And I remember as a little kid, I'm like, who's coming for you, mom? She's like, it's the hat man. She's like, there he is, there he is. And she would scream and cry. And so our family would take her into the psych ward because it was all psychological. It was all, you know, her, she was having a mental breakdown. And, and it would happen every few years. She would have this episode where this hat man would come and, and try and take her. And so after I became a pastor and I started, I knew about these demons were real and the shadow people and the different forms that they take. And then I heard so many encounters and episodes about the hat man. And I knew, um, I started, wait, let me back up. So in 2012 was her last episode. And I'm already a Christian. I'm already in ministry, a pastor. And my wife calls me and she's like, Chew, you need to get to your mom's now. I'm like, why? Why? What's going on? She's like, she's having an episode. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'll be there. And I get there and, and my wife's there and my mom is freaking out. They have her on the bed and she's just screaming and she's like, there he is. He's coming for me again. And at this time, I thought it was all mental. I thought it was all her psychological stuff. I wasn't, I wasn't putting it together, even though I should have, but it just, I just wasn't clicking. She's like, he's there in the corner. He's in the corner. And everybody's, my wife is crying. She's never experienced anything like that. And so to, to help, they're like telling her, you're seeing things and you're, he's not there. And she would get mad and scream louder and fight. So I'm like, guys, stop. I'm like, where is he, mom? And she's like, he's right there in the corner. So I'm going with it. I'm like, okay. And I pointed at the corner. I'm like, hey, I'm like, you get out of here. You don't mess with my mom anymore. And, and people are like, you know, what are you doing, Chewie? In my mind, I'm going with her to calm her down. She was right there. And she points up at the shadow in the corner. There's like a, looks like a regular shadow in the corner of the room and towards the ceiling. And she's looking at it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, you get out of here. And I put my hand, and I put my hand on there my hand got frozen like it was ice cold in the area was it was freezing and all my hair stood up on my on my hands and instantly it clicked that this is real for some reason she's the only one that could see it it's manifesting itself to her and and instantly all those years as a kid of her crying and running from this hat man instantly i knew it was real and it was some kind of dark entity and so I, I pulled my hand back. I was like, whoa. And I, and I got mad. And, and I started rebuking it. I put my hand up there and I started rebuking it. And I started praying out loud and telling it to get the heck out of the house, out of our lives. And you have no authority here. And my family was like, whoa, Chuy, you're really going along with this, right? And the shadow started getting smaller and smaller, man, until it was, look, I thought it was a normal shadow, but it wasn't. After we started praying, it it was way smaller. It was a smaller shadow. And then my mom lightened up and she started feeling better. And, and I sat down and I talked with her and she told me all about the hat man that has been harassing her since she was a kid, seeing it in her room at night, following her. And he would say that I'm going to take you. Are you ready for me? And he just has just a shadow figure with one of those old school hats, just, the, you know, the, um, the fedora hat or whatever so that's the hat man and so I, I would never thought it was real until i became a pastor and then i, I experienced what i experienced so um that's 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 our hat man story <laughs> i you know <clears throat> jason i can't wait to share this hat man story with uh 
the guys from the Paranormal Road. Yeah, right. Because Dave Dave Hensley, the host of the, him and all of his kids have experienced the Hat Man, and it's I I mean that's a whew, that's a story. I, I he's another guy I don't want to run into him or the Dog Man. Yeah. But, but here's but here's the thing. So you cast out. Yeah that evil spirit that was in the house chasing after the girl. Mm-hmm. So where's that evil spirit go? I mean, it could just as easily jump into an animal or, a, or something and, and possess that thus creating the dog man creature. Yeah, that's definitely possible. There's, there's a, there's, that's one of the views is that dog man and other cryptids like, you know, the goat man, that, that they're demonic creatures that demon that when it left the house, the Bible says that it, that when when a demon is cast out of a house, it says it goes and it searches for another house. And eventually it comes back to that house and it sees that it's clean and empty and invites seven more demons. And that house is worse off than it was. What that means is once you get delivered and the demon comes out and leaves you, you have you, you're empty. You have to fill that void with God and God's goodness, positive things. And and if it comes back, because it will, it'll 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 want to pray again. That that'll um if it sees that you're not doing anything and like um religious or or anything with God, then it'll come back. And but from what I know it hasn't came back. They said that their life has been pretty good ever since. So yeah, they leave and they can go to the neighbor's house, man. They go to the neighbor's house. They can go, I mean there's who knows exactly where these go and how they travel, but and and yeah, that day when it left, um, I don't know where it went, man. Who knows? Wow. Well, Chewy, um, as we come to the end of this episode, <laughs> is there do, do you, before do you got do you have any more that you want to share with us? Yeah, I got I got I got one that I want to want to share. Um, there's there's a couple things you know my my friend that I told you who's uh, on the last episode who's a federal investigator he also is a man of faith and we met at church and he used to be a pastor for 25 years and so he's not a pastor anymore but he the story he shares with me is that when he was pastoring the church that um, a lady came up to him and told him that she was a high priest of a uh, satanic covenant here here in, uh, in the Magic Valley. She says that she's been trying to curse him and hex him for a whole year, and none of her curses came to pass. None of her hexes, nothing ever happened to him. And she goes, and she goes, I've never had that happen. Everybody I put a curse on, they get cursed except you. And and she he began to minister her, and she began to see that the power of God was is greater and you know and so she ended up converting giving her life to God from being a high priest, satanic priest to giving her life to God and she says that well he told me that once she gave her life to God that her cult came after her and that they tried to murder her a couple times one time they turned the gas on in her house and um, tried to blow her house up and that it didn't succeed in that. And another time they tried to do something with their vehicle to try and kill her with her through her vehicle. And that didn't come to pass either. 
And so she ended up moving away, but that was, she was a high priest here in the Magic Valley. And, and there's a lot of magic, weird stuff. There's the canyon I'm talking about that in the last episode, there's, it goes off and branches into multiple canyons, little ones, and the one by my house is called Rock Creek. There's another one called Black Magic Canyon. If you guys get a chance, anybody look up Black Magic Canyon of Southern Idaho, you're going to see exactly why they call it Black Magic Canyon. I mean, it looks creepy. Like, it looks like something I can't even put into words. you got to see the way that this canyon is formed. So there's a lot of um, a lot of dark stuff that happens here, man. There's a lot of weird things. There's, you know, I prayed for a guy who had a, a demon, and when we, he, he was at our church, and he actually was seeking out counsel because the demons, it's not like it's 24-7 manifestations. There's certain manifest, like they'll, they'll come, it'll be like a flare-up, so to speak, and then it happens. And so he was reaching out for help. So it, sometimes it takes multiple sessions, not just that one day you see them and cast them out. Sometimes it's multiple sessions. And this guy, as I was meeting with him on one of these sessions, I kid you not, the way I seen this guy smile at me, there's no humanly way that he could have smiled. I mean, it was literally from ear to ear. His jaw looked like it contorted, and all of his teeth were showing. And it was just, he was just like, like the creepiest smile. And it was, I knew there was a demon that was manifesting. So that was, you know, so praying and, you know, rebuking it and all that. But to see this person smile at me the way he did, it was, I'll never, it was, it was one of the things that I'll, I'll never forget is, is that smile, man, of, of him looking at me. And, you know, there's all the stories of, there's so many things that you, that we find here of these, you know, these um, seances, you know, we find them, people find them all the time. And they put it on social media, finding these altars and pentagrams down in the canyon and Black Magic Canyon and just so many um, unfortunate things that happen in that area is, uh, and, and it can be really sad. And so there's, there's a lot of work that we have to do, like as far as people always wanting prayer, coming to their house and, you know, praying for them and just a lot of uh, dark stuff that happens. And then you add it to where the cryptids in the area too, where some of these things smile at you and talk and talk in, in, in Spanish or, you know, just mess up technique, like cameras, you know, like weird stuff that happens. And so, um, but I believe I am personally, I know that that these things are real, but I, my heart goes out to people and I'm always trying to help them, not only with the demonic, but with the cryptic stuff, the stories that people tell us of, of like, man, like you, they, it's basically counseling sessions that we have to do, you know, just because there's so much of them and, and nobody believes them, you know, so they come to the church because the church has something to do. We believe in the devil, we believe in angels, fallen angels, we believe in miracles, we believe in all that, all that kind of stuff. So it's um it's an interesting career that I have, so to speak. <laughs> well, I would say I would say after you getting to know you here, these you know, this especially these last couple hours over these episodes you seem to be in the place that you need to be. Like you have the temperament, you have the attitude to kind of stand up to the dark 
darkness that's there and try to try to help people. And it doesn't seem like, um, even though it's some, you know, you've been in some scary situations, it doesn't seem like you're too scared. You know, like, like you understand that, you know, what you, who's on your side and, and, uh, um, it seems like you're helping more people than, than not for sure. So, I mean, maybe, maybe this is the, pl- that is the place you need to be, you know, it's cause it seems like it for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, Jason, do you got anything to add or are you, well, or I you just, just want wish- to tell them that, uh, I was just sitting here contemplating, uh, what he actually does. And, you know, it takes a special person to do that because not everybody would have the mental state to be able to, to handle the things that he, he encounters on a regular basis. I mean, just like the people who he helps, you know, I mean, they literally go to the church for counseling because they know that nobody else will believe them. So yeah, you got to hand it to him. I mean, it sounds like, like you said, I can't put it any better that he's in the right place. I mean, he's, you know, God has given him the, uh, the mental toughness to be able to handle these things and to actually be able to help some people. Yeah. So absolutely. Well, I know one thing, a little scratch on his back wouldn't have put Chewy in the hospital for 10 days, but then that's just did me. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick. Um, I have two small stories. Can I share? Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, you know, the hell's Canyon is the deepest Canyon in America, right? And it's, it's here in Idaho and, and Devil's Corral is one that's pretty intense. It's one that's right by where I live, on the right in front of Twin. The can the canyon is named different parts. You got Hell's Canyon, Devil's Corral, but in Devil's Corral, I have a report from here in this area from the 70s, I believe, where a boyfriend and girlfriend were camping on the rim of Devil's Corral, and they're in their tent, and they can hear something walking outside. And their tent, it was summertime, they didn't have their tent zipped. A Bigfoot put his head inside their tent and looked at them and put it, pulled his head out. And the woman fainted. And she, when she, when she's the one who shared the story. When she came to, her boyfriend was gone, wasn't there. And she was terrified. And she, she stayed there all night, not knowing where he was at, crying. And finally, she heard a vehicle in the morning, and it was him. I guess when the Bigfoot stuck its head in his tent, she passed out. He ran out and left her there all night and came back to see if she was alive, so to speak. And, um, and you know, of course, they separated. But that was the story of, of the Bigfoot sticking his head in the tent and looking at the people in there. And that one was pretty – and it's, again, Devil's Corral. It's, it's, it's right here in Twin Falls. Another one in Hell's Canyon – Hell's Canyon is, is it's right next to these mountains where people go skiing. There's skiing everywhere in Idaho. But I have a family member who knows I'm into this whole cryptid stuff, and, and he tells me, he goes, hey, one of those things got somebody, um, one, of, one a friend of a friend got somebody over there at Hell's Canyon area. I'm like, what do you mean? Tell me, tell me, what are you talking about? He says, and it's a missing snowboarder, uh, somebody who came up missing, but he was snowboarding and hiking and whatnot. 
and they he came up missing they never found his body but witnesses in the same area that same time frame they saw a bigfoot with a snout they said it looked like it, he goes it was one of those and he pointed out my bigfoot sign i have in here and he goes but it had like the snout on it and i'm like and he goes they think that's what took that snowboarder because they saw at the same time that guy came up missing and i told him like dude i don't think that's like a bigfoot i think it's something else man like it's just for it to have a snout like that i don't know something Something weird. So those are two little, two little nuggets I wanted to share with you guys. Oh, jeez, still fascinating. <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. Holy smokes! Holy yeah, smokes! It sounds like well, that was a dog, man. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, look, I feel a lot better being here in this office, in in the <laughs> middle of. In the, <laughs> well, Chewy, I a. Hey, I'm so glad you reached out to us. Um, I'm so glad we could get together and uh, and have you share, you know, these last couple episodes uh, of yes, stuff. And absolutely. I mean, I mean, you you are way more of a man than I am because <laughs> I, I mean you've you've been through some stuff, and you're just you're just a young pup, man. You got a lot of you got a lot of years ahead of you. I hope you I hope you stay strong. I hope you stay thank strong. you, thank you. It was a joy, guys, sharing all these stories. Well, and I do. Yeah. I tell people because for one, like man, I want to help protect people. I mean, they're like I said, all the people that come up missing in Idaho. I mean, it's really creepy, guys, and and all this the stuff that happens. And I mean, it's just like the more stories I can tell. I kind of didn't want to be seen as a crazy guy, but now I'm kind of like. Not a hundred percent past it. Like I just don't go up to a stranger and be like, "Dog man is on my roof," you know. It's like I kind of want people to know that there's such strange things going on in our area, and that could account to some of the missing people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and you're right. It's a big leap to uh, to come out and, and and say that stuff. But if if you know, you know. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you know, you know. So. Yeah. So, well, Chewy, I'm, yeah. Thanks again, and I hope all of our uh, all of our listeners enjoyed uh, hearing some of the stuff, and hopefully, they can, uh, you know, they want some help. Re- let me know, and I'll get you in touch with Chewy. Maybe he's got some insight to, uh, you know, help, uh, especially the demonic stuff. It sounds like you've dealt with a lot of that, and oh, yeah. have a good uh, have a good idea of how to how to defeat some of that stuff or at least make the situation bearable and better. So, so, so well, thank, thank you so much. And, uh, look, I can't wait to get the next, uh, text message saying you're not going to believe what just happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you coming on. And, uh, it's been very, very thought provoking. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. Thanks, guys. I hope everybody enjoys the show. And um, remember, if if there's a if you're out hiking and there's a sign that says "No trespassing, do not enter," maybe sometimes it's okay to follow that. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, we will. Uh, we'll talk to you later, Chewy. Yeah. All thank right. you. All right. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness.
or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>